So, episode 11 was going to be the last uh, last part, last episode for my birthday. But for some reason, I can't post the entire hour and 20 minutes of my ramblings all in one shot. For some reason, it says it can't be played in Canada, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Regardless, I decided I'm just going to split it in half. So, this is just uh, part... well... Part 6, Part 2 of Episode 11, which is going to be Episode 12. The nomenclature is getting a little uh, confusing, but uh, whatever. Welcome back to Trivial Thoughts, and here's the rest of the audio. I'm just rambling right now, and I'm having such a horrible time concentrating, but oh, I want to talk. I don't want to sleep. It's... Paradoxical, once again. Paradoxical is the word of the lesson. Uh, lesson? Yeah, I don't know. Course, uh, dialogue, uh, podcast is what I was looking for, but uh, lesson makes a lot of sense because I want to teach people. I want people to learn. Mm, going back to my comic book, I really like the comic book format. is so cool to me. And uh, my comic book, The Almighty McGuffin, once again, I'm plugging myself. It is, uh, it's going to be interesting, it has a lot of, it's a love letter to a lot of, like, shows, movies, comic books, and everything that I enjoy, that I've loved, that, like, affected me. It's a love letter to it. There's going to be little references here and there, like, some of the ideas they brought up, and then taking psychology classes in university, I don't think I've, maybe university, college, I think I took a one or two in college. Like another two or three in university, but it opened up my mind to a lot of ideas of self-examination of how the mind works and how ideas come to fruition and memories and how it affects personality and whatnot. And I want to examine a lot of ideas in my in my comic book. Um, was maybe earlier this week or possibly last week? I watched a video. Uh, from Michael from Vsauce, it's a YouTube channel, Vsauce One, I think. He has another one called another show on YouTube, uh, Red, the uh, the paid version. Well, the first episode was free. I'm not really sure if there's a second episode. I think I might buy it. But the first episode, uh, it's a series called Mindfield, and I really like it. It's M I N D Field. It's a play on words, which is um, well, as you know, the name of this podcast is called Trivial Thoughts. My last name is pretty much. Trivizono, well, it is Trivizono, but people have called me Trivi, I've gone by Trivial Online, so it just seemed logical, and I like the, the plan words, how Trivial Thoughts, in a sense, means nothing thoughts, random ideas, random thoughts, and whatnot, and, but it also means my own thoughts, because I am trivial, I am the entity of trivial, at least online, Instagram, Facebook, and whatnot, so... I like plays on words and ideas and mixing them like there's the saying, um, this makes sense, S-E-N-S-E, or S-E-N-S-C, I can't write it down, a little gone right now, but I'll spell it C-E-N-T-S, like a friend will say, or if I'm I'm replying to a friend in text format or Facebook Messenger or whatnot, or Skype, I say whatnot a lot this episode. Trying to say, I'm trying not to say, and the point is, or point being, yeah, point being, that's what I usually say. Today it's, um, 
Wow, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, what well, well, that part? But oh, take a second. Eh, love letter. Wow, I'm so sorry. I forgot what I was talking about. I'm quite a matter. Oh, play on words. That's it. Mm, so instead of saying sense with an S, I'll spell sense with a C. And I'm like, that makes sense. If not dollars, it's a stupid pun. But it amuses me. Same thing with I C, like I space S E E, like understand, indeed, whatnot. See whatnot again. But I'll spell it like E Y E S E A, or just letter I, and then the letter C. There's like so many versions of that, how to spell it in combinations. But I like to use them all, like fucking with my friends. It's fun. Words, uh, albeit. Um, yeah, it was the worst English major there is possible. I barely read any of the books while I was doing that uh, bachelor's, and I still got the bachelor's. I don't know how. Thank you, Sparknotes. It's not an advertisement or anything, but uh, really, Sparknotes, you prime shit. You got me a degree. Uh, so yeah, the both time I'm smart with words and stupid with words, and I, but I also like how words are developed. I took a class, History of the English Language, last... <sighs> Last year, yeah, last year. A lot of my friends are taking that class now, and they're all asking questions. The teacher, Jerry, I don't remember his last name right now, and it's good because I don't want to name drop or whatnot. He knows this subject matter front, backwards, upside down, sideways, diagonal. He knows the history of the English language so well. And he's passionate about it, so passionate. Like, especially the Norse aspects, like, with the runes. Thorpe and Winrune. Really fun. Um, he loves that. And so he was so passionate about when he was teaching it to us. But I feel like where he lacked was the assessment, the evaluation. When it came to assignments, tests, quizzes. He lacked on that. He took forever to um, grade it and return it back to us. Comments were kind of vague. What he deserves is, I would love Honestly, I if I get a chance to talk to him again, maybe I will. When I'm sober, I don't know, but you know, he'd actually be a pretty cool guy to talk to once again. It's not even recorded, just like as a person, he was really smart and actually super nice and it's kinda cool he was about my height too. I'm not that tall. Don't know if I said it, five five. Just average girl height, guy height, which is annoying because Short girls like tall guys, and tall girls like tall guys, so short guys like me are fucked over. Whatever. Jar Jerry. 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 It was a teacher I had, and he should do a TED Talk. Like, honestly, you just get in front of the stage and talk. His, his classes, he would just go on and on and ramble, like I am now, but he knew the subject matter, and he was passionate about it, and I... When he was really into it, that's when I learned most. But then he would talk for, what was it, a three-hour class? So once a week or twice a week, I don't remember exactly. He would talk for, let's say, what was a three-hour class? So he would talk maybe two hours and a half about his own things and how he was interested in the actual material. And then realize, oh, I forgot to teach all the things I had, like all the points I had to talk about today for us to finish the course. Kind of in the last half hour. So he's not really a, I wouldn't call him a teacher. He is a teacher technically, but he's more of a lecturer. 
uh, more of a public speaker, someone to embrace knowledge. Education, I feel, is very flawed with the whole assessment and evaluation aspect. I feel if you want to learn, you're going to go actively go look to learn. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, um, for example, if you're really interested in science, you're going to, and you want a little more, you're going to go yourself. You're going to find someone to tell you about science, to teach you about science, to learn about science. Same thing with any subject. I wish school or, I don't know, I'll give you, okay, elementary school and high school, the class format of, assignments, very structured lessons and courses. That in itself, I think, is good because it gives you a good framework to build on. It gives you, like, the basics of math, science, language. Those seems to be all those topics. Art. I forgot about art. Those are the basics to build on. And then once you get to college and university, I feel like there shouldn't be tests or assignments or anything like that of grading it should be if you're interested in literature for example Shakespeare you'll take a Shakespeare class the teacher it's his element Shakespeare is what he lives and breathes he's passionate about it or she equal opportunity than genders in my head I had a Shakespeare teacher it was a guy so in my head it's a guy but if he knows the subject, is passionate about it, I would listen to someone who's passionate about a subject for hours on end because their passion will translate to me and I'll be interested. If I choose to be in that class, it means I have some inclination, some interest in the subject. So I'm more willing to listen to it and I'll be really into it. And I'll learn more by listening and being very much drawn into the words that are being spoken, if the person who's speaking them is actually genuinely intrigued and moved by it. I wish education worked like that, that college, university is, every class is your choice. If you want to take that class, it's because you want to know it. And I know that sounds stupid right now because most people say, oh, if I I'm not interested in anything, I'm not going to take any classes. But if the whole structure of education was flipped on its head where when it came to higher education, college, university, it was completely you choose what you want to do, what you want to study, what you want to know, a lot of people would, I don't know, at least myself, I'm a curious person, I like learning, I like knowing things, I like learning things. But when you put it in the context of being graded, it loses all appeal to me, it feels like a job, it feels like something I have to do. It's not a choice. It's an obligation. I don't like that. I'd rather choose. It's, for example, I was an English major. I've mentioned it many times. I know I'm repeating myself. I was there. I was in that program for three years. And during those three years, every, almost any book, every story, short story, American literature, British literature, everything, I would hate reading it because I was forced to. Everything I was forced to read, like, oh, you have an assignment due next week based on this book. There was no inclination for me to read that book because it became a pressure. It became homework. It became something I didn't enjoy. It's I would, I would read more books 
going to and from school, the books I chose to read on the Metro or Subway. I don't know if you're American or Canadian listening to this or Montreal or whatnot. It's called the Metro here. Everywhere else it's called Subway or Tram or fucking up. It's underground. It's trains. It's, I don't know. It's not really a train. It's kind of like a bus chain. Uh, oh. The brakes, I don't know when they, they're made of wood, so when it breaks, it smells like sawdust, which is an oddly nice smell. Uh, point is, I would read more on those, the to and from, on the metro, like an hour every day. No, two hours, one in the morning, one at night. I would read the books I chose to read. And I would read them cover to cover, and I would enjoy it. But you told me, I've had an assignment where they told me, oh, read Rumpelstiltskin. I don't want to. No, Rip Van Winkle. That was it. Rumble Six was on other class as well, but both work in this example. If you tell me I have to read something, I don't want to read it. You force me. Like, I don't know. Any expectations? Like, someone will tell me that, oh, this book is amazing. And they'll hype it up so much. The fact, like, if I read it, I will, it will never live up to the hype. Uh, Back to the Future, 1, 2, and 3. Everyone talked about it for years. And they're like, oh, it's the best movies ever. It's the best trilogy. <laughs> I watched them, honestly, not that good. But I feel that it's because of the hype. Everyone made it sound so amazing that it, just, it will never live up to the hype. Star Wars, on the other hand, I'll give you that. Eight years, I didn't remember. I never watched the original trilogy, like four, five, six episodes. I seen episode one when it came out. I was live with that as a kid. And yeah, that one I watched, but like Clone Wars or I don't know, Return of the Jedi. I don't even remember. I can't remember what the last one was called. Episode three. Oh, Return of the Jedi. No, that's one of the original trilogy. Point is, yes, I said point is. Again, I'm trying so hard not to say it, but oh, I use it so much in conversation. Even to myself, to a microphone in the dark at 3.22 a.m. at the 9 hours and 15 minute mark of this podcast. Which is not actually going to be 9 hours long, but I recorded for 9 and a half hours long. 9 and a quarter hours long. If you force me to read something, I'm not going to read it. But there was only one class, my last English literature class. Uh, English literature, what was it? Uh, Montreal, Montreal and Quebec Literature. It's the only class I read almost every book cover to cover that was assigned to me because the teacher, Dave McKipsey, I think it was his birthday yesterday. Well, before, when this podcast started, it was his birthday. Now it's the next day. It's Sunday. Now it's probably not his birthday anymore. If it isn't officially, I don't know what time he was born at, but he was, he taught a subject in Montreal literature. It is his thing. He knows Montreal literature. He knew these authors. He lived and breathed it. I love Montreal as a city. I want a tattoo of Montreal on me. A lot of people don't understand, but everyone from Montreal doesn't understand why you love Montreal. For some reason, I'm one of the few people that views Montreal even as an outsider, even though I live here. I can see how awesome that city, this city is. And this literature just expanded my idea of Montreal. And... I feel like my teacher, David, he understood that. He could, he saw, he can see how great of a city Montreal is. And the books he chose for this class only exemplify that. Or sh- actually, they, they, yeah, you get this sense of Montreal. There were 
but also a side of Montreal you will never, yet you normally wouldn't see. We read books, uh, Barney's version, uh, Lullabies for Little Criminals, Bottle Rocket Hearts. We read poetry from Leonard Cohen and some other poet. It's I'm escaping my mind. I want to say Alan Klein or something like that. He his thing was called the the rocking chair or the white rocking chair. I'll have to check the books after. But all the literature that he assigned was just so good. Like even topics I don't really understand. Bottle Rocket Hearts and Lullabies for Little Criminals. I'm going to mix the two up because they were kind of similar. But they were written by his perspective of a woman growing up in like poor, poor portions, poor areas of Montreal. And there was drugs, prostitution, drinking, all bad things. And like poverty is something I don't like. Oh, I'm middle class. I'll, I can do that. I don't know. Not even upper, not even lower. I'm middle, middle class. My family's middle, middle class, and I'm okay with being middle, middle class. Sorry, funny saying middle, middle class. NMC? I don't know. NMC class. NM class. Whatever. But it's weird reading about these classes, like upper and lower than myself, in the city I currently live in, and... Finding out the differences, seeing it, like, well, both Bottle well, all the books I actually read, Barney, Lullabies, and Bottle Rocket, I feel they're all written prior to when I was born. They talk about an earlier Montreal, I don't know, let's say, like, between 1920 to 2000 or so. Well, maybe a little later, Ball Rocket Hearts. Uh, I'd say to uh, 1920 to 2010. I'll give you that, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's like the period these books take place in, and it gives me a viewpoint of Montreal that's different than what I see nowadays and what I believe Montreal to be. But at the same time, even though there was differences because of the time difference, time difference, whatever, I'm saying difference a lot, you still get the impression it's Montreal. Which is really cool to me because it, in itself, Montreal is a very unique city. It's not like any other city out there. It's, you know, uh, because of Canada's British-French lineage, Montreal stands as a really, a city divided. It's, it's something I actually read in the Montreal literature class, but it's of uh, two solitudes, the English... Um, I'll go English persona Montreal in the larger in the larger context of the French persona of Quebec, but in still the smaller persona of Canada, which is itself an English country. Montreal literally is an it literally is an island, but in a larger sense, a figurative island within the sea of Quebec. It's an English spotlight. In a ocean of French, it's an English stronghold in a French territory. I don't know how to explain this. I feel like you have to be from here to understand it. And I realize most of the people listening right now are probably from here. They're my friends. You're all like wondering what the fuck I'm talking about. 
who knows, one of these days my podcast might blow up and people will go back and read, not read, but listen to what I'm saying. And I want to explain it to them. You're my audience. It's weird talking to myself. I'm realizing it. It's only when I when I stop and think about it that I realize how strange it is that I'm talking by myself to a microphone in my basement at 3:30 a.m. Well, I know I'm I'm very concerned with time. I'll mention it a lot of times. Yeah, look at that pun. I'm mentioned time about time all the time. But. It is something that's almost in my head. It's weird how, like, time is a human construct. Animals don't have that sense. Imagine if life didn't revolve around time. Like, you'd wake up, you'd get ready, then go to work. You'd work as much as you felt comfortable, and then you'd go home. It's weird, but happy would you be? I'm not sure if I've brought up these book series in these podcasts before. Uh, Ian M. Banks, he's a, he was so mad when I found out he died. Stupid, I found out many years later if he died, but I guess I came into his books later on after he died. He came big to me. But I read these books, Ian M. Banks. It started off, I read The Culture. It was one of my assigned readings in college for a sci-fi literature class. One of the few books I actually read, I read uh, Necro, uh, Neuromancer and The Culture by any well, Neuromancer by William Gibson, and um, The Culture by, no, not The Culture, Player of Games, a culture novel, sorry, by Enam Banks. His book was really hard to read at first. I tried reading the first chapter, it didn't make any sense, because it throws you right into the world. I tried again for my test because I had a test coming up. I read the entire book cover to cover. It was so good once you got into it. A lot of books I've like, I've I've been like that that were so hard to get into. Like the first chapter was just so hard to put my brain and mind into the mindset that it needed to be to accept what was being said. But once I got past that, oh fuck, they were such, some of the best books I ever read. But Ian M. Banks he talks about um, it's not in humanity and stuff. It's, I don't know, I guess because we're human, the people reading this, uh, we assume that the protagonists and the society that we're reading about in the book is human, although it's never stated in the books that they are human, but I guess we think about it. Well, he describes their standard, I'm reporting, as very human, similar human-looking, human-functioning, but more advanced. Whatever. Um, in these books, the culture, the culture in itself is the name of a utopian society. These people, money is no object, material objects are no object because they have the ability to manipulate atoms at a subatomic level and make anything out of anything. So, there's no reason, and far superior intellect of artificial intelligence is governing everything, is controlling. They live in these giant space stations, I would say. Uh, orbitals, what are called, the giant ring. Very much Halo-ish. If you ever played the original Halo, the, the actual Halo itself, think of that shape. That was the orbital. They explained in Ian Banks, his books, the culture novels. I actually have to look into that. I wouldn't be surprised if the people who created Halo, Bungie, 
Microsoft had read the Halo books because it's very similar in design if I think about it right now. Never put the two together. It's kind of interesting. When you talk, uh, out loud at least, you realize a lot of things that you wouldn't understand or make connections to in your own head. It's only by listening it to like the, the double um, input, I would say. You're thinking it, but you're also externally saying it, and then you're hearing yourself say it. That process, it's like you're talking to a person, we're very, very social beings, and yeah, it uh, lets you like re-examine things. It's like from listening to another person talk with their, their input, their output is my input, and then I think with the input, and I come up with an idea by talking to myself out loud to a microphone and then listening to the recording. It's similar in a regard. I'm listening to my own ideas, but from an outside perspective slightly, and with that I'm able to make connections that I wouldn't normally make in my own head in my internal dialogue that an external dialogue functions with. I realized I was talking about my comic book maybe about a half hour ago. I never got to the point of uh, psychology classes. Whatever I was going to say, I was going to do some chapters in the comic book itself with psychology with the idea of isolation and uh, drugs, how the mind functions in complete isolation and how the mind functions while on drugs sense. Uh, I haven't decided what drug my character is going to take in the novel, but I'm curious how it will affect the artificial intelligence that's been implanted in his brain. And then after a long period of time with him being used to having an internal dialogue, not an internal dialogue, but internal conversation with him and the AI in his own head, how he will react, the character itself, the main character, how he will react to being in complete isolation, removed from any external input. He's in a complete isolation chamber, like in jail cells. Not jail cells, but I mean like solitude. Um, solitary confinement, that's what I was looking for, and in prison. If he's put in that little room without the other voice, what will happen? be really interesting to have an entire issue of my graphic novel of this character talking to himself in the same sense I'm doing this podcast, but like out loud and trying to create a secondary person of sorts to, to discuss and interact with. Because humanity in itself, we are very social beings. We require, we crave interaction. So it'd be cool to re to examine that in this sense. He'd be talking to himself and examining who he is himself. It's very much uh, self uh, self exploratory. Is the sense is the thing I wanted to get across here. Okay, back to Ian M. Banks' books, the culture novels, the Utopia, and because everything is taken care of, life expectancy in these books, they, these people live beyond what they should, like hundreds and years, thousands in some of the characters. Because if their body is decaying or whatnot, they can upload their mind into a new body or and medicine. There's no diseases. There's no ailments or whatnot. You're perfectly in health and you're always going to be perfect health. These people choose to die. It's not something that happens naturally. It's a, it's a choice. You've lived a thousand years. You've seen enough. You're tired. You decide one day, you know what? I'm going to die today. And you plan it. It's like... Today is uh, Tuesday, February uh, 4th, uh, two, no, 3080. I'm not really sure the AD stands for, but I think it's whatever. 
Besides, uh, I've seen too much. Uh, I've seen everything. I've lived everything. I've done everything I wanted to. Now it's time to die. And then they go about shooting themselves into a sun, which is kind of the most badass way of dying. Sense it's kind of cool because once you're thrown into a sun, you become well atomized, fucking crazy amount, but become part of the sun. And the sun, all suns, not stars in a sense, they're cosmic dust heated up and from the fusion in the star creates new elements and those elements become planets, asteroids, comets, other living organisms. Very cool. How it's very much matter. You know how matter, not not matter, but matter and energy, both are similar. Since there's both matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed, there's a finite amount in the universe. It's pretty cool how everything, in a sense, in a larger sense itself, the universe recycles. And humanity can't. It's kind of funny how we can't do it at such a small scale when the universe can do it at a subatomic scale. And by that subatomic, I'm using it, even though it's subatomic, such a tiny, tiny little increment, it's such a vast and large idea that the universe is all built upon these atoms. I'm going to go ramble a little bit there. I'm not going to go there, but uh, utopia, you, you know, back to the culture, I'm rambling a lot, but I'm very tired, but I want to keep talking. Uh, yeah, Ian Banks, the, the culture, because they have no reason... They have no need to do anything. They want to learn something. They want to do something. It's their complete other choice. They, there's no obligation. Everything becomes like, I want to learn this. Why? Because I want to. I want to know. If I could live indefinitely, I would try everything. Uh, if money was no object, I would never go to school. Oh, no, I, I wouldn't work. I'd still probably go to school. I wouldn't give a shit about grades, though, but I would go because I would sit down and listen and I'll learn, expand my mind. In That's something I always thought about. Uh, well, I thought about but never really put into context is the idea in uh, Doctor Who, the, the 12th Doctor, Peter Capaldi. There's a character played by, ooh, I can't remember her name, Macy Williams. She plays Arya Stark in... Game of Thrones and uh, me, yeah, no, that sounds weird. And or a shielder, just two names in the show in uh, Doctor Who. She becomes immortal, and she's a human beforehand. But humanity and humans are not are not built or programmed or whatnot to live so long. Her mind cannot remember everything. There's there is a limit to how much information one can accept. She starts forgetting things. She's got to write them down in journals and everything. So even if you could live a certain amount of years, after a fact, if that's how the mind works, is there a point of continuing if you can't remember what came prior? Is there a certain point where you realize there's no more input I can take in? I am complete, in a sense. You're full. What would you do after that? Would you try to learn more? At that point, would you know everything? I don't know. I know I'm asking these questions and I'm answering them to myself, but they're good questions. And they're questions that I don't have answers to. 
I realize I'm asking a disembodied audience that I don't hear responses to, but at least I hope this sparks at least a question in your own head, uh, self-explanatory, not self-exploratory, to look within yourself and think about it and come up with your own idea. At least I want someone, I like the idea of causing someone to think. Because an idea is a sacred thing. It's, a, it's an impressive thing to me. Yes, there's stupid ideas. Yes, there's dumb ideas. But at the end sense, it's an idea. It's someone, something that created out of nothing. A question that you want to know. It's a question you want to know the answer to. And humanity and life, it comes down to questions. Because at the end of the day, human life is all about asking a question, trying to find an answer to. But well, the ultimate question is, what's the point of life? Nobody has an answer, but there's a, there's a song by Five for Fighting, and it's, ooh, I don't remember the title, Day by Day, maybe? There's a, there's a line that says, what's the sense in life? And according to this songwriter, and I, on a level agree, it's, uh, his answer is you and I, meaning yourself and someone to... A spouse, a companion, a friend. I think, like I said, humanity, humans, the species are social. I don't think my life will ever be complete until I find someone to share it with. Because, you know, I won't know who I am 100% by myself. I need. Not stupid and needy, but I need someone to know me, to know everything about me, for me to know who I am. Because I only learn about myself through outward expression, like talking, or explaining to someone, or listening to them, and using their output as my input to think of who I am. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Hopefully you understand what I mean. But I only learn about myself through outward expression. By talking, by listening to these podcasts, by talking to other people, by talking out loud. If I were to stay in a room and just think to myself, at least I think at least, because I'm doing a complete isolation, like a sensory deprivation chamber or something I want to try, what ideas would come? What would I think about? People say, at the beginning, you'll be really bored. You won't think of anything, really. You'll think, like, what you got to do tomorrow or relive some memories. But what would I do without any input whatsoever? I'm a product of, of my input. If I watch, I don't know, any show. Um, my best example is I was watching the Sherlock Holmes movies by Robert Downey Jr., who plays Sherlock in it. After watching them, I watched them both back to back one time, one and two, and the rest of the day I kept viewing everything in the same sense that Sherlock and the show did, and my internal dialogue became in a British accent. If I watch something that's really energetic or whatnot, I'll feel energetic. If I read something really somber and depressing, I'll feel depressing. I mirror everything. I mirror the input I get, and then output 
is a reflection, but my own interpretation of the reflection. I'm having a lot of trouble keeping my thoughts straight right now. But I feel like there was a lot of ideas I, I touched upon that are really interesting. Maybe I'll come back to it. Probably when I edit this, um, hopefully I'll remember this. I'll put a little note on my computer. But to take notes of what's saying, like the comments, the topics that came up. And hopefully I'll go back to it and uh, examine them fully with a sober mind. It would be interesting to have this conversation with one of my friends um, throughout the evening. Maybe 20 people around this microphone at different times. A lot of them showed a lot of interest in being on my show. And so I hopefully I'll have more episodes with more of my friends. <sighs> with that, um, yeah... Well, I'm going to say goodnight, and uh, it's 3.45 a.m. This is my birthday party. I'm not sure if this is my birthday party or not anymore. I might split this up. I might cut this, whatever. Um, listeners, I bid you farewell. I bid you good evening. I bid you goodbye. I bid you good night. And later days. Later days. <laughs>